0: Welcome back to the In Awe podcast and our series on trailblazers. When I think about the women in this series making ways for themselves and others who would follow behind, I am inspired by the courage and wisdom. It's not always the massive paved paths that lead out to where we belong, but sometimes the nice two ruts in the middle of nowhere that lead where we are to be. Today's guest is a leader who blazes trails in many spaces and one that I am so excited to bring to you. Noah Daniel, M-E-D, is an innovator, thought leader, who has been building ways for students to feel visible and valuable in and outside of the classroom for over 20 years. She's a classroom teacher, consultant, coach, and chief building officer at Building Outside the Blocks, Bob. Noah is a blogger and podcaster. She hosts the Personal Playlist podcast and On Ed Mentors, both weekly shows on Voice Ed Radio. She has recently joined the board of Learning Forward Ontario. Noah is also the co-founder of OEM Connect. In this episode, we learn how Noah was able to take a passion of hers through her work in the classroom to make trails for others to follow to create meaningful learning. We learn about her work in blazing trails for voices to be amplified, as well as creating space for mentors and mentees to connect. Through her story, we learn how we too could take the gifts that may come naturally to us and create our own path for others to join in their journey. I am honored and excited to share with you Noah Daniels' Trailblazer story. Welcome Noah Daniel to the in Awe podcast. I am so excited to have my listeners come to your story today and also to be able to get to know you a little bit better on this uh, interview and our conversation today. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. So Noah, we have you featured on the series for trailblazers. And so I'm wondering if you could, before we get into that, just provide a little bit of context for my listeners that may not know who you are. Well, I am Noah
1: Daniel, and I'm a teacher, consultant, and the chief building officer at Building Outside the Blocks, which is um, a consulting company that I started two years ago, and really the name of all of the projects that I create for students in the classroom and for communities that help to amplify voice and propel engagement. Oh, that
0: sounds great. Uh, It also kind of sounds really (laughs) trailblazer-y.
1: It's funny, actually. I would never have known it was trailblazer-y. It was it was a mentor of mine who taught me that. So it's sometimes the people in your life that help you see that you're doing something different. You're just doing what you're doing, and you have no idea that it's anything unique per se. You're just persevering and, and, doing what you believe in your heart to be the right thing to do. So I find it particularly awe inspiring that it's those trailblazers who impact you that that give you the freedom to be that person that it turns out you've always been.
0: I love what you just said there, that they give you the freedom to be the person it turns out you've always been. Because I think that, you know, probably a lot of listeners can relate. And I know you and I both can, to that idea that you're just leading and you're doing your thing and you don't think about the fact that there are people, you know, behind watching what you're doing and when you can turn that your passion project into an impactful message and kind of your way of life it's it's really kind of a special thing.
1: It it is really special I feel honored every day of my life it's it's incredible actually.
0: That's awesome so would you share just a little bit about kind of the the nitty-gritty what are you doing in this world with your building outside the blocks work and message?
1: Um, I'm essentially creating projects that help build skill meet you know curriculum expectation or standards but also help students build community in the classroom connecting with each other and maybe most importantly connecting with themselves because I believe that school should be a place where you learn who you are and you get to evolve your true self and it's not just about the nitty-gritty of what we call academics because we're whole beings so we have to treat learners as whole beings as well. And one of the things I love so much about my work is I'm also working with a partner to build um, On on Ed Mentors Connect, which is a mentorship space where teachers at any stage of their career can self-direct their learning and have a one-to-one mentor who can help them grow and learn. And the idea is to celebrate the fact that we all have something to teach and we all have something to learn. So these are the things that I do with
0: my life. Well, those sound pretty passionate and highly impactful. Um, I love that you have those kind of prongs going with that. When you talk about building community, um, and and I love this because the conversation is really I don't know if it's I got to be honest, Noah, I don't know if it's shifting or just that I'm in a world now where I'm paying more attention and my lens is focused more on the whole child. But I know you know lo- large organizations in the educational world like ASCD, we hear a lot about the whole child, which feels like a shift. And you know, from the last several years, where we're just hearing a lot about testing and accountability and just focus on that academic domain. So when you talk about that, what are some of the things that you do that you um, perpetuate to build community with students and kind of help them discover that self? Well, all my
1: projects have personalizing elements. So as opposed to personalized learning, which assumes that the educator knows the child so well, and, and I do get to know my learners so well, but Um, It presupposes that if you give a a learner an opportunity that's open-ended, that they bring their whole selves into the equation. And it's a lot different than that supposition that you're supposed to know everything about that learner. And it really gives opportunity to see sides of of the learner that they sometimes don't even know they have. So I think that that dichotomy of looking at the academics versus the whole child really doesn't have to be incongruent that we can do both simultaneously. And that's why my projects, every single project that I've created under the BOB umbrella, and there are over 20 of them now, but they're essentially projects that, like PBL, happen in school at the beginning. But unlike PBL are really alternatives to homework that are self-directed where students choose their own deadlines within the teacher provided parameters so that kids really get to have that sense of agency, not just about when and that whole power of time is something that I think is unique to the Bob approach, but that only a few students at a time present the project. So as a class community, we're all having a shared experience. I'm actually preparing for a TEDx talk that I'm giving in September, my very first one. And I found footage of my students during one of my projects, which is actually my podcast that you're coming on next month. Um, The personal playlist project is the manifestation inside the classroom. And during the three songs, people, educators on the show and students in the classroom bring a nostalgic and identity and a pick me up song into their story basically about themselves. they narrate it through these songs. And at one point, every single student of 25 in my class in grade eight are all singing the same song. So I happened to capture it and I'm putting it in my TED talk because you can't explain community unless you see that moment. There are glimpses into building a space that's something more than the collection of individuals. And that happens through the sharing of the projects because we're all learning from each other and I'm learning from all of my students too. So... The community of support, the community of people who really deeply know each other and who who may have known each other for 10 years before they got to me and yet discover other layers to themselves and each other starts to build a space around who's actually there as opposed to pre-constructing that space. So everything is about each individual contributing to the greater good of what our class space becomes. And when I do this kind of work in whole schools, you really see the transformation of the entire community as well as through feedback, really knowing how it impacts individuals.
0: That was so full of inspiration and wisdom. I just love it. I wish I can't wait um, for that TEDx talk to come out so we can see that manifested visually. That's just going to be awesome. And what a cool experience for you and a way to be able to amplify your message even further. Thank you. This idea of the podcast, I am curious about that because, you know, when you see things at face value, I'm like, well, that's just a really cool idea. I'm really excited about that because, you know, I love music and it's just this kind of universal connector. But so you're basically saying that that's something that came out of your work in the classroom is that uh, theme of the the songs and the identity and narrating through that is is that accurate?
1: Yes, it came. So I part of my building outside the blocks approach is i have projects that you can revisit so i have a tribob and a tribob i have multiple tribobs they're a three part series where students go through an entire year visiting these three projects. And so they have common elements, which is why they're in the try, but each one builds. So it gives students the opportunity to revisit and deepen skills. Cause I think that's another aspect of the time element of the Bob approach, is it gives you time where teachers are constantly looking for more time or feeling like time is fleeting. We can build skills over time if we kind of stay connected to these grounding points. So if we're trying to build a student's sense of self. I have these three project called the PS1, PS2, and PS3, that one's a portrait of yourself, one's a personal soundtrack, and one's called photosynthesis relating to photographs. And that's where the, the P3 came from, was from that um, personal soundtrack originally. And it was always about those three songs. But through facilitating this in my classroom, I learned a lot from my students. And it was a video that they had made that really transformed my understanding of what this could be. So when I was invited to start a podcast on my own, I was like, no, I'm okay. Thanks, I'm, I'm not, a, <laughs> not a podcaster. I'm good to just be on this live show that I had been on, on Voice Ed, but you know, Uh, There was this fateful day that I actually am talking about in the the TED Talk where it, it just came to me inspirationally and I said, what about this? And not only has it felt right, I am fed every week by these incredible educators. And just like in the classroom, they're not fill in the blanks. So you're not saying, tell me about yourself. Here are your prompts. Your prompts, just like any construct, are... Nostalgic song, identity song and pick me up song. But what people bring to that is their own individual creation. And so every structure of every show becomes completely unique, because we're celebrating that person. And I truly believe that my projects give kids an opportunity to shine. And if we have those opportunities, and we can build skills from places of positivity, where our self esteem has been fed, then we can go through that vulnerable act of learning that can be so challenging to who we are.
0: The way you just let all of that roll right off your tongue, it's, it's just amazing <laughs> because it's its really insightful. And as you're talking, Noah, I'm and I'm sure my listeners are the same, just kind of making those connections to their own life and maybe, maybe um, fits and spurts of those learning experiences through their K-12 or even undergrad or wherever that happens to be where an individual designed learning in a way. That made it meaningful. You know, I'm obviously I'm in a situation where I've had a master's degree. I've been working on my Ed Specialist. I now teach classes, and I'm thinking about the one or two examples throughout all of that where that type of learning was facilitated for me, and it's memorable. It stands out. So what you've got going is really, really solid, and has uh, you know the opportunity to kind of not only show the educators, the people and the learning and the students in front of them, but also create those meaningful experiences for the learners that they can remember forever. I love it.
1: I, I really appreciate that. And I think one of the most challenging parts in education is all educators can probably come up on one hand with the people, the teachers that have really created an impactful learning experience for them. And considering how long we're in school for, and I also have a master's degree, I'm thinking that's not really fair. But if we Mm -hmm. create opportunities that kind of separate... I, yes, I love my students and I love my job and I think about it all the time. And that's why my daughters call me a teacher because I can't separate who I am as a mom from who I am as a teacher. And not for my students either, who sometimes mama bear me. And I, I, I no longer apologize for that, not to my daughters because I believe that my teacher lens makes me a better mother and not to my students because my mother lens has made me a better teacher. But I think that if teachers just took themselves a little bit out of the equation and created spaces where everybody was um, on a flattened hierarchy in the classroom, then we could be in places where the kinds of learning we facilitate impact us so deeply because there are conduits to who we are, but there are also many skills being built in a way that doesn't seem as intimidating as it can be in a regularly constructed space. So I had this year facilitated five Building Outside the Blocks projects in my class. And each time my students would write a reflection, they're like, no, this is the most <laughs> impactful experience. And for <laughs> me, it's their reflections that drive me. Like every time they say something great or even something that's a tweak, I'll go back and I'll listen to them and I'll change what I do, whether it's in a, a lesson plan or a unit plan or in a Bob project because every space is different so they would have needed something different and opens a window of opportunity for me to, to create more possibility the next time I do it so I'm constantly in a state of growing and so the opportunity to try to be the teacher that I needed for myself creates a space where where everybody can can find that even if it's not me that they click with they click with the work and they click with each other. Although I, I do pretty well in general, um, I, I know that I can't necessarily make the kind of impact that I want because I'm I un- unless I'll say it this way unless I I keep myself open to having a place for everybody. To be their unique selves, and if I decide what that place is, and I have a preconceived sense of that, then I'm going to miss somebody. But if the space is open enough for everybody to be there and for everybody to share in something bigger, then then everybody can have a great experience.
0: Well, I can see why what you're doing is having such great success, uh, because just even the 13 minutes that we've been talking, I feel pumped up and inspired, and <laughs> I'm thinking about um, you know all of the things that. I've either done in the classroom or will be doing very soon again with different, you know, adult learners. I'm thinking how I could, how I could tweak it myself. So it's just so good and such a rich trough of um, possibility there. So goodness, thank you for the work that you're doing in this world. And I'm so glad you've been trailblazing.
1: The term is not comfortable, but I really appreciate that you're, that you said that. Thank you.
0: Yes. So let's unpack that a little bit. And why I keep saying you're trailblazing is simply because we have you on the series, you know, of course, we're such dynamic beings, you could you could be on any one of the series that I have in this in this podcast, but I'm just curious, if you'd be willing to share just a little bit, you know, you're, um, you, you reference uh, the, fa- the fact that you're working on a podcast that you've got this um you know, business that you are working with students still, can you share a little bit about kind of like an entrepreneurial scenario? Like, how did you get into that spot where you're working outside of the classroom and creating these projects and sharing them with others? How Do, do you want to share just a little bit about how that came about and or not? It's up to you.
1: Sure, it's it's a very it's a long story, but the probably the shorter version is I was really privileged to work with what was called an academic coach, and even though I had been teaching for 18 years when when I was given her, um, I fought for her and I said I really would like to work with this person, and they said, but Noah, you're a seasoned teacher, and I was like, but I have so much to grow, like doesn't matter. So they let me have her and she changed my life. And not only did she help me think uniquely and give me um, opportunities feeding me with prompts and resources. But she said to me, Noah, what's this thing you're doing in the classrooms? All the students are excited all the time and they keep talking about your projects in the hallway. And I'm like, I don't know. It's like I'm building outside the (laughs) blocks, but I don't really know what it is. And she was like, well, let's spend some time unpacking this. And so every week we would meet. And in these meetings, she would say, well, do these projects have anything in common? And then I would go home and I would be like, wow, there are, there are four aspects to these projects. And it was through her coaching. I mean, I would have gone my entire life and not known anything about myself as a unique educator, only like I had said previously, doing what I did. So it was through her encouragement that I then started gathering artifacts of my student learning. And even today, so many years later, when I reference something, I have these, you know, videos or I have student work. I would have never thought to have collected had it not been for her. She was the one who encouraged me to first write about it and encapsulate what it was. And then I got published and in Canadian Teacher Magazine. And she helped me find my voice in a world that I didn't know I wanted to be in. I didn't know I wanted to share so much. And the more I started sharing, I mean, I went through different phases of insecurity. My first tweet, (laughs) my first blog post but once I found my voice in those spaces, I love having it and it, it infuses me and it keeps me out there and it keeps me open to constant growth. And take, I, taking a learning stance in life is so powerful because wherever you go, you can find inspiration. And I owe all of that in many ways to her. And, and to this day, she's my friend and we have coffee a couple of times a year. And, and she, she can never believe that she's started this whole thing because really she did. And had I not been in a negative situation at my school, I may still be there. But I was in a negative situation for a couple of reasons. And I thought, okay, I'm gonna take a leap, but I gave up my tenure and I gave up my seniority. And I really, I wanted to experience public school because I believed that I would never be the teacher that I wanted to be had I not worked in public school. So I was very lucky and last year I was a supply teacher and this year I got a permanent contract part-time. So every morning I go and I teach a grade eight class and every afternoon, I work with whomever I'm working with, or I work on on Ed Mentors Connect to build this mentorship space. And I I get to do and be all that I am. And I think that that's one of the greatest gifts that all of my challenges have brought me as well, is that they they brought me here. And I never, <laughs> I never would have taken a leap like this had it not been for those two factors that, that helped me choose my life and helped me choose my own direction.
0: So, you're challenging me to keep up with you because I, as I was listening, I'm pulling apart these threads in your story that are super impactful that I want to make sure that the listeners hear. First, when we talk about this concept of trailblazers, it's this idea that you're willing to go on a path that not every, you know, people haven't traveled, right? So, you're blazing that trail, but you're also looking at the fact that there are people behind you that are probably going to start following that. And maybe, and you may never see them behind you, maybe way far ahead, or they might be right behind you. Here's what I love so much about your story is that you are you were an effective teacher and probably a highly effective teacher who wanted a coach. I love that you said they gave her to me like I got her. And we think too <laughs> often about coaches being to um, improve deficits. And I just had this conversation with my husband, who's a teacher, because I've been considering um, this idea of coaching principles because I. If there's if there's anything that I have always wanted in the classroom and as a principal is somebody to pay real close attention to what I'm doing to help me level up in my strengths even. And as we were talking about it, you know, we thought there's just so much stigma around coaching. But one of the things that blew my mind open for listeners that are interested, like uh, that have the background in literacy and reading, there's a woman named Chris Tavani in this world who I was fortunate to watch her um, teach us about reading and effective reading at the secondary level, but then I was able to watch her coach, Sam Bennett, watch her. (laughs) And we got to almost like in a lab situation, watch that happen. And we're watching highly effective educators doing their thing. And so as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, not only did you benefit from that, but now you're working in this mentorship program, (laughs) which continues to create opportunities for others. And so you're taking, and I'm sure you knew that and you'd already made that connection, but I'm, I'm hearing you and I'm just thinking, this is amazing. It's not just the building outside the blocks that you're doing, but it's this other layer that you've got going on to help open up minds and and impact others through that mentoring. Can you talk a little bit more about that program and kind of what that looks like?
1: I absolutely can. But really, it's all building outside the blocks in the same way that you were saying, you know, educators who are seasoned or who believe that they're good at their work feel unsure sometimes about a coach because they think, well, I know what I'm doing. But we need perspective. Kristovani changed my life, you know, and one of the things she gave me, and I, I can't stop thinking about it since you mentioned her was the whole idea of making the invisible act of reading visible. It really changed my practice. But had I not been able to communicate that with others and really deepen the conversation with colleagues about the value of seeing students annotating work and really understanding their thinking and what strategies they were using for comprehension, it it, it has been a ripple in my educational world. But what that also reminds you is that everybody needs a coach. Everybody benefits from having somebody else on the sideline cheering you on, but also having that professional lens to be able to ask you questions that you weren't able to ask yourself. I mean, these are those things that really drive practice. And so I believed partially because of my experience with my mentor, Ricky Wartzman, but partially because I see what's happening in schools with mentorship programs. I believe people need a space just like kids need a space where people encourage them but sometimes it has to be for educators outside their direct space, somewhere that's non-evaluative, somewhere that they're not going to run into the person so that they can really say, I totally messed this up. How do I do this better? <laughs> or "I there's this tech and I want to use it and I don't know how to use it. So what what I've done is I partnered with uh, Lee Castle, who created Digital Human Library. And this is a brilliant space unto itself. Basically, you can find people as resources. So you want to bring a minor in Into your classroom, who in real time is in a mine, she gives you access to those kinds of people. But I was thinking about it for a long time because I had been on this show on Voice Ed Radio called On Ed Mentors. And I was on the panel of mentors that was originally created to mentor new teachers. But this panel of educators, we were mentoring each other, learning constantly from these brilliant insights of these amazing people. And I I was having a conversation with our producer, Stephen Hurley, and at the time, Derek Rodenizer, who was the host of the show. And I'm like, we can be doing more with the space. And they said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I have a vision. I'll get back to you. So I reached out to Lee, who had been on my podcast. And I said, what if we use Digital Human Library and had a space called on Mentors Connect? Well, wasn't called it that yet, but had a space where mentors could find each other, where people could offer their specific skill set, but at at one time be both a mentor and a mentee, because I want to I make that impact on people to understand that they can be both a masterpiece and a work in progress at the same time. And I think if we recognize that, we'll feel a little bit less insecure about the learning and a little bit more joyful about the efficacy we can build if we allow ourselves to learn. But we need it to be safe, and we need it to be one-to-one on our own time and in our own way. So that's where this one-to-one mentorship idea started. So we started at a pilot last September with only five mentees, and we had 13 mentors in this bank. And it's grown already to 50 mentors, and this year we're launching phase three, and we've opened it up. So we're going to let this continue growing, and we... Um, access people's feedback to help iterate this offering. We're growing a leadership team We're we're building divisions for administrators for because we're from Canada. We have a French teacher um, group that we're trying to foster. And the idea of this is to maintain a free space where at any time somebody could have a place to reach out and find their person.
0: I just if this was video, you would just see me beaming. I I can't even. This is wonderful, <laughs> and again, uh, just kind of another opportunity for you to take the reins and and bra- blaze that for others. I love that you are familiar with Cristofani and that you, you that uh, example spoke to you. But I also just really appreciate what you said about the masterpiece and then also being a continuous work of art. Because isn't it like you know all of the major athletes still have coaches, right? High performance athletes, high performance, business executives, why do we feel that in education, it's a a stigma, you know? So I just, I value so much.
1: I think it's challenging to be in a profession where there's no arrival. Yes. You know, like you get somewhere only to find that there's new mountains to climb. And that can be a deterrent for people. So they want to silo themselves in what they know or their classroom or or whatever, because somehow it affects their sense of self. But if, if we made that minor shift to understand that that's the beauty and art of our profession, then I think people might be more open to it. But hopefully... by by creating a space where people feel safe we can do that because well-being is a huge part of teaching it's a huge you know reason for attrition it, it's it's a huge factor and parts of well-being are the idea that people can be alone so alone in education so that's the other aspect of mentorship that can really help is you know that there's somebody out there for you
0: such a profound insight and I appreciate that. It was actually one of the things on my mind this morning and I'll speak specifically about um, principles because I was thinking this morning how challenging it is as I've I'm not in it right now. So I can say just very boldly (laughs) that principals do not get enough support. I think that they're the uh, crew in education that are probably the most overlooked because there's so many different stakeholders that need their attention and so many different skill sets that principals need now more than ever. And I just have really been experiencing a lot of my colleagues burning out. And mm-hmm. part of it is because they have to be so strong. You know, when I was hired first as an elementary principal, I literally said to that board, well, I'll put my cape on. And that's just, its <laughs> I think it's crazy. And I believed it. And the problem with all that is that we're human, you know? And so I just feel... I felt the call to say that out loud. So I was really glad to hear that you're, you know, in this mentor space, you're also creating a space for principals because we are one person in charge and and charged with the social emotional health of our staff and our students. Mm -hmm. And in the same time, not taking care of ourselves well as a group. Um, And so it's just a, It's a whole other layer, (laughs) but it
1: is like, I took my principles course and it was through the course that I decided I didn't want to pursue that because I understood the magnitude of the role. And it's not that I, 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 I value principles. Mm -hmm. I just, the amount of, of, Expectation on these individuals in schools is yeah. surreal. And they do absolutely need somebody, especially out of their area. Yes, in their area, you know, in their boards, in their systems that understand the language. Sometimes, you know, in a province or in, in a school district, you have um, standards and certain expectations that it's important that you have a shared vocabulary. However, the big ideas, those are universal. Yeah. So the best part about leveraging technology through any kind of mentorship program. Is knowing that no matter where you are in the world, you can find somebody that you can talk through these ideas with. And I think that so often principals have to make minute to minute decisions and they don't have time to reflect. And it's through those mentorship conversations that they could have that opportunity to reflect, feel supported, feel that sense of well-being. There is no balance. I don't know who can pretend that there is because there just isn't, especially in that role. But at least try to maintain some equilibrium for some points of their day. They deserve that.
0: Yeah. So thank you again for doing that. And it's kind of funny because uh, my listeners will be like, oh, snap. She wrote a book called Balance Like a Pirate, but it's actually the subtitle of me. <laughs> there is no balance. I agree. It's going beyond no, balance. I,
1: I, I knew you did. <laughs> I, I didn't mean in any way to undermine your brilliant
0: <laughs> you didn't see that's the thing I just okay. uh, so for anybody who hasn't read it we actually subtitled it going beyond balance and we say that balance is a complete myth so I agree with you on every possible level there um, how fortunate that I get to have this conversation with you today it's amazing and I just want to encourage you that it sounds like all of the great stuff that you're doing is really going to have a significant impact on the people that engage with it and just keep doing it keep going lady rocket that's amazing and also, um, I want to have the listeners here. So, you've mentioned that you have this, you've done this live show. What is that? Can you talk a little bit about the live show versus the podcast?
1: Yeah, so the live show is called On Ed Mentors, and as I said, it it started as a place to mentor pre-service teachers, and it evolved to become a place where, you know, we take on subjects and talk as a panel, sometimes with pre-service teachers and teachers from all different aspects of education about different issues. And I took over the show in January. The host, who is my friend, and I used to, you know, do some producing um, behind the scenes, but he was like, "Okay, Noah, I'm taking an archery course. Can you host for?" six weeks. And I said, sure. (laughs) And then at the end of six weeks, he's like, I really like the way you host. (laughs) Why don't you take over the show? And I, to be honest with you, saw that as an opportunity. My husband, not so much because he's like, really, you're taking on another thing. (laughs) And I said, Mm -hmm. I know, but I can bring people together to have cool conversations. And so I really like when I go to a conference now and I engage with people, I'm like, oh, let's build a show around this idea or let's build a show around that. And I'm I'm hopefully building a space where I don't have to host all the time, although I do enjoy it very much, but I can bring people and help to foster their hosting skills. So, for example, we put a STEAM STEM conversation together and Derek Tangretti, who's just a brilliant guy, um, an engineer and an educator. and somebody that works in a lot of different spaces, he pulled together a team of you know superstars. And I said to him, I introduced the show, but I basically let him host because he was an expert in the field and I just listened and learned from everybody. So it's like, a, it's my professional learning opportunity as well as a way to showcase some of the great educators out there. So every week we Put out a theme, and I'll gather you know three to five people in the space. We've had we've had fifteen, but it's not great listening. And Voice Ed Radio, if you haven't experienced it, is a space not just for podcasts, but there are quite a few live shows. and And Stephen will also record events for educators, so it's just a wonderful. Um, place to learn. And if I'm ever like in my car, not listening to music, I'll turn on voice ed radio and pretty much listen to everything that's there. So being in that space is full of amazing educators and I can tap into that. But I can also say, you know, I keep hearing about this and I get to pull a show together on that. And that makes me feel so good for all the teachers who will say, "Oh, I never hear about this." Well, I can solve that problem <laughs> with the show. So it's a wonderful way to be responsive to some of the issues that I see, and some ways to bring lots of voices into a
0: space. Very cool, and I ha- it's a resource I hadn't heard of. So thank you so much for providing that detail and that summary, because I'll go ahead and make sure to link it so that our listeners can check that out too. Thank you, um, because we're always looking for great resources.
1: There are so many. Yeah.
0: Oh, yes. I know it. Right. And then, um, and then anytime I come to a new one, like your podcast, I'm going, how had I not? known that one. <laughs> it's <laughs> around music. And yes, I mean, this is my thing. Anybody that's listening, they're, they're, they know that. So looking at our time frame, Noah, I'm just going to go ahead and ask you two of the standard questions that we have here on the podcast. I know my listeners love to hear about it. So would you tell us if you had the opportunity to write a letter to yourself at any age or stage, what would you say?
1: You know, being a mom of three girls, this is probably um, the most important thing I wish I had felt or been talked about with all my life. So I really appreciate the opportunity to just think about this question. I have to say, it did a lot for me, but my, my advice to myself and to anybody is to be you, even though it's not gonna be easy and staying true to yourself is probably the most important thing you can do ever. Because when you build your self esteem and you can stop apologizing for who you are and just embrace your wonderful self, there will be times that your insecurities will break you and come to that point, um, they sometimes get in the way of your path because you're looking for approval or you're looking for somebody to say that you are okay. It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to not be you. So I think that that's my biggest advice is just to myself that I was meant to build outside the blocks and that being myself is okay no matter what anybody
0: tells you. I knew you wouldn't disappoint on that. That's so profound. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes. And it makes me think um, your words are echoing a little bit about this idea. And my listeners are always hearing me quote Brene Brown. But I, of course, I'm thinking about her and authenticity. And I'm thinking about when she shares about there's a difference between fitting in and belonging. And, and once we can seek and crave to belong instead of fit in and find that space, it's just kind of really powerful. So thank you for sharing that.
1: It's so funny that you channeled Brene Brown because I was thinking, talk to yourself like you would to someone you love. So yes, she she is always an inspiration and everything that she writes or does is something that
0: I gravitate to. Totally. Okay. So another question, as an influential woman, what would you say to listeners who are they're hearing you and they're feeling like they're in a pit of fear or doubt right now. What, what words does no one need to say to them to help them?
1: Well, the truth is I would say something different to each individual, but in general, I would say that you are not bound by your current state or abilities. Whatever you're feeling or thinking is not for forever. So consider where you wanna go, keep your eyes on that horizon, determine what the landmarks on the way to that arrival will be and own your journey. And of course, I would add, find a great playlist for the road.
0: Yes. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, Noah, it has just been so wonderful to chat with you. I am going to just link your uh, inspiring recommendations in the show notes, um, as well as how to get a hold of you. But I just know for a fact that my listeners are going to want to engage with you. So would you share with them kind of the best way that you uh, will communicate with people? Sure,
1: I'm big on Twitter. So I'm at Noah's Bob's. You can find me, you can send me an email, Noah noahatbuildingoutsidetheblocks.com. You can find me on Instagram at buildingoutsidetheblocks. I'm not yet on Voxer, but Sarah Thomas has encouraged me to be on Voxer. So I'm thinking about it. And um, you can get in touch with me, DM me. I'm happy to send an outline for a project. I just, I really believe in all the work that I'm doing. And I'm so excited if you want to talk to me about it or if you want to be part of my PLM.
0: Well, I'll go ahead and speak for my in awe community. So are we excited about what you're doing and so grateful that you're doing that in the world. And thank you so much, Noah, for taking time out of your incredibly busy and important and passion-filled day to have this awe-inspiring conversation with me.